Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. The 28th Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, insert known as COP28, is taking place from November 28 to December 12, 2023 in Dubai. This global climate summit convenes annually for member countries that have signed the UN agreement promising to address human-induced climate change and its effects. The delegates, including the heads of states, members of civil society, and indigenous peoples' organizations, have gathered at the UN Climate Conference to assess the progress made globally on tackling climate change and establish strategies for future actions. Cultural Survival also attended COP28 and spoke to some of the indigenous delegates who attended the conference. My name is Gideon Sanago uh, from Tanzania. I belong to the Maasai uh, community. I work for Pastoralist Indigenous NGO Forum, Pingos Forum, as a climate change coordinator. I represent the indigenous people of Tanzania and Africa as well and the global to make sure that their voices are really heard under this scope. But uh, our communities are affected uh, with the impact of climate change in so many ways. Uh, we have witnessed uh, floods, we have witnessed uh, uh, severe droughts, we have witnessed uh, livestock uh, de- dying uh, because of disease, because of uh, you know uh, having shortage of water and, and grass as well. And, uh, but also we have witnessed diseases both for livestock and, and, and people as well. But also there's a, a huge increase of, of you know, um, uh, food insecurity from our communities, uh, as well as uh, climate-induced conflicts between wildlife and human, but also between uh, indigenous people, territories and other land users. So the climate change posed a lot of risk, a lot of you know, um, threats to the livelihood of indigenous people. But also we have witnessed um, a lot of uh, investors coming to our, our, our land uh, for the name of the climate. But also there's issues around the, 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 the conservations, uh, you know, the eviction of indigenous people from their ancestral land for the, you know, investment on, I mean, conservations, but also on even uh, climate interventions such as the carbon credits. Some of the indigenous people land and territories and forests have been upgraded into the forest reserve. Uh, And when a forest reserve are created, it it doesn't allow allow human uh, being or human activities in it. So it prohibits indigenous people to access for forest um, uh, products, to access for their, their livelihood, access to medicinal plants. So this, all this uh, brought a lot of impacts. Now, when it comes to the achievements we have got so far from engaging on these core processes, we have got the Paris Agreements, which have the preambula of the Paris Agreements, talk about indigenous people's rights, talk about you know, the participation of indigenous people on, on, on these uh, climate uh, negotiations. But Article 7.5 of the Paris Agreements talk about adaptations on how indigenous people 
needs to be consulted and uh, be part of the adaptations uh, plans from our national respectives. Uh, when uh, countries and um, our respective governments formulate policies such as NDC, for example, National Determined Contributions, uh, the government have to take into considerations the rights of indigenous people, issues around the free, prior and formed consent. So we have seen some achievement under the Paris Agreement, for example. We have also uh, seen that there are some climate finances, you know, uh, flow uh, from the climate issues. And uh, some of the people have, you know, secured some funding, but not really much because we have been seeking for the, for, I mean, access, direct access of these fundings. In instead of going to um, accredited entities or intermediaries, we need this funnel, I mean, funding to be channeled directly to indigenous people to access these fundings because we are in the front line of climate change. The recent achievement that I can uh, mention in particular to this scope is on loss and damage fund. Decisions have already, you know, a decision have already decided here in this scope that uh, there is a need to create and to implement the loss and damage funds. And there is a lot of commitments uh, from the developed countries to channel fundings to the loss and damage fund. But the question again is, remains as always, how realistic is this? Because it's just a pledge. There's been a pledge of 100 billions for a couple of almost eight to 10 years now. And they never, you know, uh, fulfilled their promises. So how realistic is this loss and damage financial mechanisms? And how do we, you know, uh, realize, you know, the implementations, direct access of this funding to indigenous people? So the, the question, there are so many questions around because there have been so many mechanisms. Green Climate Fund, for example, yeah, we had, we got Green Climate Fund as a result of the Paris Agreement. It's a baby of the UNFCCC from the Paris Agreement. To what extent the Green Climate Fund itself have a specific dedicated funding mechanism for indigenous people? How many indigenous people have benefited so far from the Green Climate Fund? We must lower our expectations because uh, we have seen, we have ex ex examples, we have experience from this GCF. Even now, loss and damage financial mechanism, we don't see, uh, we don't see the big hope for indigenous people to get direct uh, funding to this loss and damage. So, uh, what we can do is that we continue the fight as always, to fight to ensure that the right of indigenous people have to be respected. Free, prior, and informed consent have to be applied. And we need to see these fundings flow down to touch the lives of our people on the ground. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook, Twitter and listen to Indigenous Rights Radio on SoundCloud and Spotify.